A lot of coffee, there's no question about it, was consumed. And I was going to start tonight by saying the, um, we, we actually have one very important thing in, in common, all of us, me and you, and that is uh, if we lived in this area, we would come to this church too. <laughs> you better believe it. There's not even a question in our mind. The, uh, one of the great things about having such an important part of my life spent with uh, Sean all those years ago is to experience, uh, experience Christ in such a, a, such a precious way in, in, in a young man. And this was a, a dream come true to find a, a like-minded group of guys who, who, who wanted God, who wanted, wanted Jesus. Will the, will the real Jesus please stand up? Because if you reveal yourself, and he has, but if you do reveal yourself to our hearts, we're all in. We're, we'll be your disciples. We'll be your, your sons we will be your friends um, to every whatever extent that you free us uh, to to be all of those things, and but to experience that together, oh, that was a, a part of life I really didn't know to to expect and to see uh, Sean shaping and iron sharpening the iron of the other young men in, in our group. Uh, it, was, it was an astounding thing to behold, but just, you know, to open our hearts to Jesus and to whatever, to whatever he had. No, there's, there's no question. If, if we lived here, me and Jenny, um, we, would, we would come here too, and we would consider ourselves so blessed that a family of faith God has, God has begun and, and has in, in the Scriveners. The, um, oh, it's, it's, it's rich. It's so rich. And we would, we would love to join you in, were we here, we would love to join that kind of community, that kind of faith under this kind of uh, spiritual fathering this kind of spiritual leadership and parenting, the, it, would be, um, it would be a glorious thing. So, yeah, we've got a whole lot in common, uh, me, you, and Jenny, um, and we're grateful, grateful for that. It's, it's always a pleasure. It's a privilege. It is a deep sense of calling to appoint people to Jesus because the farther we go in this journey of life, the, we, we can see that we've, um, we've too often looked at the other glittery things. We had to have to admit that there have been things that held some allure to our spirit and we even felt drawn to. And, and we know that in, in all those things, there's no, there's, there's no fruit, zero fruit. There's nothing life-giving. There's nothing to glory in. There's no, there's no sense of, of, of the greatness and the fullness of God in, in, 
so many of the things that, that uh, twinkled or glittered or we thought we, we should be a part of. But we have learned in our lives that uh, the deepest, I mean the, the deepest, we're top, talking the center of the marrow. Um, that's biblical language, the, the very bone. And what's the center of the bone is that marrow, the very center physically that gets to our very existence bodily, the, the, very, the very center. What is the deepest aspiration? What is the deepest desire? Even if I were to ask you tonight, what is your deepest desire? And then some things come to mind, and then I challenge you, no, no, go deeper, e- even deeper than what you're thinking. What is, what is the deepest desire defining you as a human person, as a human, human being tonight? And I think for all of humanity, the deepest desire defining us is the desire to be holy. To be, to be truly holy and, and the desire to love, really love. That, that desire to, to know love, to really, to really know love, experience love, and to give love. And if you're there with me tonight, um, that's sheer grace. That is the sheer grace of God that you can be defined in such a way to, to know God, to know love, to give and receive it, and to be holy. Think of Peter. If you think of Peter um, at Calvary, uh, standing some distance away, all of the failures, all of the visions of grandeur that he had about his own person but there he is some distance from Calvary wondering I think I believe can I ever be holy can I ever 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 truly be holy looking upon the love of that scene Can I know love? Can I receive this kind of love? And can I give it? And it's in answering those questions and and thinking about that deepest desire in us that he's put there. It's in thinking about that. I want to invite you to uh, a passage in Colossians and Hebrews 12. Um, Colossians 3 and Hebrews 12, will you hear the word of the Lord? 3 1, the book of Colossians. Since you have been raised to new life with Christ, set your sights on the realities of heaven, where, where Christ sits at God's right hand in the place of honor and power let heaven fill your thoughts do not think only about things down here on earth for you died when Christ died 
your real life is hidden with Christ in God. And when Christ, who is your real life, is revealed to the whole world, you will share in all his glory. Then Hebrews chapter 12. Verse 1, therefore, since we have so great a cloud of witnesses surrounding us, let us also lay aside every encumbrance and the sin which so easily entangles us, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Now these guys saw something. They saw Jesus enthroned. They saw Jesus at the right hand of the Father enthroned on the throne of glory. This is what captured their vision. This is what filled their imaginations. This is what filled their hearts. Oh, the Colossian passage, you know, was, is encouraging us not to, not to look at just things on earth, but to look to heaven, to look heavenward. And this is, a, this is a great joy. It's a great privilege as a person of faith to, as much as I can, to constantly point others to him, not to our earthly resources, not to our own intellect, not to our own instincts, not, not to our own intuition, not to those things, but to point men and women to Christ, to look to Christ and to see in him this enthroned one, this one who, who is in heaven, has ascended. Oh, this powerful, this powerful thought that Christ, Jesus, that they touched, they handled, they knew, they understood that he has been enthroned at the right hand of God the Father. Yes, and the book of Hebrews, though, gives us an understanding of, of what qualifies Jesus to be the ascended son. And it's a very practical way of understanding who Jesus is to us, what he has become for us, and what he has done. There are, there are three passages I wanted to share out of the book of Hebrews to help us understand the active sanctification of Jesus Christ and what sanctification 
look like in our Lord's own life from the perspective of the New Testament church and how they understood him to have uh, passed through this veil and to be enthroned and coronated in the heavens beside his father. The first verse I want us to look at is, uh, is Hebrews chapter 5, verse 8. I'll read it to you. Hebrews 5, well, beginning with verse 7. While Jesus was here on earth, he offered prayers and pleadings with a loud cry and tears to the one who could deliver him out of death. And God heard his prayers because of his reverence for God. So even though Jesus was God's son, he learned obedience from the things he suffered. In this way, God qualified him as a perfect high priest and he became the source of eternal salvation for all those who obey him. The active sanctification of Jesus while, on, while he was here on earth was this picture that he learned obedience through what he suffered. Now, a lot of people want to know, what did he suffer? Well, obviously, he suffered death on the cross. But he suffered more than that. In fact, Jesus' whole condescension, his whole coming down to earth was, was a suffering. It was, in a sense, an emptying out. It, otherwise known as the, the, great, the great kenosis of Jesus. He, he suffered in humanity. He suffered in the normal circumstances of life that befall you and all the normal circumstances of life that befall me. These circumstances befell Jesus. In fact, Jesus' entire incarnation, his entire coming to earth as fully human and fully divine was, was a kind of suffering because he was laying and offering himself, laying himself down and offering himself. Here we have the notion of learned obedience. I think it is interesting that for me and you, it's obvious that obedience doesn't come naturally. Obedience never came naturally for me. Something else came naturally, and it was to have my own way. To, to go with my own inclinations and my own interests, my own pursuits. That, came, that seemed to come very naturally to me in life. But what didn't come naturally was obey. And even farther from that was to obey instantly. Usually when I was put in the context of obedience, it was at a, looking at my father's frown 
His eyebrows furrowed in. And he was helping me understand the importance of my obedience. Even when I did obey, it was that resistance in my heart. What was Jesus learning here on earth? Um, Jesus learned obedience by the things he suffered. And it wasn't because he, he was a re- rebellious son. No, no. No, in fact, his sufferings, it caused him to know the way of obedience. And in, the, in our full humanity and in his full humanity he, and in his full deity, he obeyed. And he learned obedience in this way. To learn obedience, there has to come a change of the mind. It's a bit of the reorientation that we were talking about this morning. But in Christ, there was a full orientation to the Father, to the power of the Holy Spirit. This is who Jesus was. Yet, for your sake and for mine, the Hebrew writer was taken up with this idea that Jesus, he learned obedience through what he suffered. And in our suffering here on earth, in our suffering, there's, there's things to be gained by it. Here in America, maybe the West, but particularly the America, in America, um, somehow we believe that um, uh, feeling bad is a sin. <laughs> that's, that's a bad thing. And so what salvation, uh, you know, is, is not feeling bad. And then, the, okay, then what's worship? It's uh, anything that makes me feel better. That, that is, that is uh, an exaggeration, but it's also part of it's true. The, we, we don't take kindly to the suffering um, because suffering, it's like it has no rationale it has no meaning Um, and we work very hard to try to find meaning in suffering and if we do find meaning then it helps us cope it helps us live in life but here here through Jesus's suffering we see um, that he learns obedient he he's caused to know in his full humanity um, what that looks like um, and to, ex- to experience that. And so for us, yes, there's a lot of suffering. It has no rationale. It has no meaning. But the truth is, we learn even through Joseph's story. Remember Joseph who said, you meant it for evil. You meant it for evil. But God meant it for good. And God has a way. He has a way to, to draw the suffering to draw our suffering in and to his loving hands, to his father heart and can transform it, can make it to be meaningful to us and to others. Here, Jesus, Jesus, uh, the writer says, he learned obedience through the things that he suffered. Chapter 10, verse seven, just to get these ideas fresh in our in our hearts and in our minds. It says this, 
Uh, I will begin at verse 5. That is why Christ, when he came into the world, said, You did not want animal sacrifices and grain offerings, but you've given me a body so that I may obey you. No, you were not pleased with animals burned on the altar or with offerings for sin. Then I said, look, I have come to do your will, O God, just as it is written about me in the scriptures. Christ said, you did not want animal sacrifices or grain offerings or animals burned on the altar or other offerings for sin, nor were you pleased with them, though they are required by the law of Moses. And here's a, another point of Jesus' active sanctification. And that was, you have prepared a body for me. And in that full humanity, in that full embodiment, here on planet earth, Jesus, fully human, fully divine, he says, behold, I have come to do your will, O God. And that is part of the active sanctification of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ in that full embodiment. And what did that embodiment entail? He was fully human. Yes, he was as we are in our humanity and all that that entails. Jesus became a human being in a human body. And that's a that's hard for us to accept is that in our present embodiment. Why? Because for us, our bodies die. And we, we can talk about the positive side of, of having a holy heart and, and being holy and knowing love. But here, underneath all of this current in Hebrews, is a deep-seated human fear. And the human fear, the deepest human fear, is death. And that's not just, not physical death, just. That's a picture of it. Yeah, none of us relish that, necessarily. But... Death, disillusion, the concept that you don't exist somewhere. (laughs) That you are nothingness. That you are extinct. Or another word we've heard tonight, annihilated. That there's nothing to me. There's nothing to me. It's a horrifying concept. And it's something in our spirits we can't take it. It's something we we reject. It's a part of the the grace of God, the created grace of God in us. Um, But here, Jesus, in this full embodiment, fully human, um, is able to say, "I, I offer myself 
I, I obey. I have come to do your will. And then in chapter 2, verse 14, building on this, on this thought, and I'll start at 11. And the themes are obvious, but we'll get there. So now Jesus and the ones he makes holy have the same father. That's us. That is why Jesus is not ashamed to call them his brothers and sisters. For he said to God, I will declare the wonder of your name to my brothers and sisters. I will praise you among all your people. He also said, I will put my trust in him. And in the same context, he said, here I am together with the children God has given me. Because God's children are human beings made of flesh and blood, Jesus also became flesh and blood by being born in human form. For only as a human being could he die. And only by dying could he break the power of the devil who had the power of death. Only in this way could he deliver those who have lived all their lives as slaves to the fear of dying. And that's Jesus' self-offering. He came to give himself voluntarily and without reservation to God. And this picture of Jesus so enlivened the heart and the minds of this Hebrew congregation and so enlivened the heart and spirit of this Hebrew writer that this is the whole message. And this message is meant to encourage the people of faith who find themselves, of course, fully human in the various situations and circumstances of suffering and the circumstances of life which are not very favorable to them with the circumstances are not very favorable to their growth and holiness and to experience the deepest desire of their hearts but here in Jesus we see his active sanctification in life in real time oh this is this is who Jesus is. I know it's so easy to subjectify holiness. And, and, and it's, it's an error. It's, it's a mistake we make to too much subjectify ourselves and the taking of our spiritual temperatures and the taking of our, our spiritual pause pulses and it can become it can become a serious problem when we too much focus on ourselves and how are we doing how am i how am i doing here how how am i how is it going for me spiritually we we can err in that but here 
for the Hebrew writer, he says something very powerful. He says, looking into Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, brothers and sisters, no matter how many grandiose ways we see ourselves being sanctified actively here in life, the truth is, this is, this is what Jesus has done for us, for us. And the passages I've read said that it qualified, in part, it qualified the Son to enter into the Holy of Holies in the heavenlies. And he entered there. And I know our question sometimes is, how can God make me holy? How can God accept me? How can God sanctify me? How can it be true that, that I'm holy? But that's not the question here. The question here is, and I hope it will resonate in your hearts, how can God the Father refuse his obedient son? How can God the Father say, reject the son and his holy life in his voluntary self-offering in his willingness to give himself to death and to whatever's beyond it. How can he refuse his son? And this, this is our holiness. Wait a minute, what are all the things I'm checking off? Wait a minute, what about all the, this? Yeah, there's, there's so much to say, but tonight, what the scriptures are trying to draw us to is to see that Christ, he is truly qualified to go into the holy of holies. And it says here, it says here, if you caught it, that he is the one that makes holy. Now, the thought that I've struggled with so many years of life is, is the one where, okay, going to work, 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 <laughs> going to get to be holy, going to be more holy, be more holy. I'm going to finally get there. Can I get there in this life? No, I, I, I can't. I get into that. But what if I'm wrong in that? And I think I am. What if the truth is, as an objective reality, the sons and daughters of God are made holy. You, you are holy. In Christ, you are holy. Yeah, but what about, and, and what, what about, that's the whole, that's the whole focus of Romans. That's the whole burden of that book of the Bible is how can God be just and say that I'm just? That's, that's the whole burden of it. 
But the reality is, and, and this, this defines you and your aspirations and your desire. Jesus is the objective ground. He is the reality. He is our holiness. And to live out of that reality, most of us have to spend some time there. We really have to spend some time there in his holiness, in what he has accomplished in full humanity and deity for you. But he is there now. Um, and the scriptures tell us that we are holy because he has offering himself perpetually. He is the perpetual ever offering of his own holy precious blood. And again, the question is not, how can he accept a weasel like me? How can he say, how can he, how am I worthy? Oh, we love that question. How am I? That's not the question that this pastor is dealing with. The reality he's dealing with is God, through his son Jesus, in the power of the Holy Spirit, has made you holy. Now live out of that. Live out of that truth that you're holy. Now something's in us that says, oh, <laughs> I gotta reject that. Well, you're in the work, you're into works. You're gonna slip quickly into legalism even. No, no, the, the basis, the ground, the reason why we can say we are holy is because he has made us holy. And that is the realm that fills our imagination. That is the power and reality that we live out of. But what happens is we get our eyes off Jesus. And, and we fail to become all that he desires us to be. And that, of course, is sin. <laughs> that is, it's sinful. But he, he has accomplished something, brothers and sisters. He has accomplished something for us. Yes, you are the holy children of God. And it is not because of you. It is by grace. It is by what he has accomplished. It's by what he has achieved and what he is perpetually pouring out. So Jesus sanctified our humanity by becoming human. And he sanctified our humanity by living in it. And he sanctified our humanity finally by crucifying it even to the death even to death on the cross and as hebrews 12 says anywhere on earth anywhere on earth you can see him now hear me if you can see him enthroned 
in full humanity and deity, embodied. He's bodily raised. He's bodily ascended. He's bodily enthroned. Anywhere on earth you can see a vision of Jesus, the Holy One, then he's making you holy right there on earth. He's pouring out his reality all over you here on planet earth. So earth becomes a place where we're made holy in real time. Oh, to fix our eyes on Jesus. That's the invitation for tonight. I know if you're like me, if you look at yourself too long, well, that's funny. If I look at myself at all in the mirror, the, uh, I can become very depressed. But if we look at our, our spiritual state, our spiritual status, our spirituality, our spiritual personality, if we, can, if we look too long and start making judgments about ourselves and defining ourselves by ourselves, if we do that too long, then Jesus gets lost. But if we can see him and gaze upon his beauty, if we can see him in his full holiness and just become enamored with what he has accomplished for us before his father, if we can do that, then there's life, there's movement, there's the drawing, there's, there's true holiness. You may be here tonight and you're, you know that Jesus may not fill your whole horizon. That you have these desires to be, oh, to be holy, oh, to be holy, to, to know love, to give love. You have those desires, but your, your eyes are focused too much on you or maybe other people or maybe other, some commitments you've made, some, some convictions you have. But tonight the invitation is to come and just look full in the wonderful face of Jesus and to see in him, to see in him everything you need to define yourself. Everything you need is in his full face. And if you're here and you, your eyes are wondering at other sparkly things and you would just really appreciate, you'd really appreciate a chance to come and kneel or stand here before the altar and then we would be so happy to come along beside you and pray with you and <clears throat> if the Holy Spirit is dealing with your heart and you know somewhere along the line you got your eyes off of him what's enduring what's eternal 
You may have gotten caught up in the own worst version of yourself and you'd like to just for a moment begin not to think about yourself so much and just really focus your life, orient your life, center your vision in him. Why? If you'd like and appreciate a chance to pray and have us pray with you, this is, uh, this is the invitation tonight. I think they're going to uh, come at this time. Just let the Holy Spirit uh, speak to you. Um, Jesus is here. Jesus is here. And if he's calling you to move in his direction, to look fully in his wonderful face, then you, you mind him tonight as as they sing, and maybe it would be best if we stood together in preparation for the Spirit's moving.